You're listening to What the Folklore, making sense of senseless tales. You can support us on Patreon and join our Discord server at patreon.com slash wtfolklore. Man, clap is like magic though. <laughs> she she scuttled her little bread butt over <laughs> over to the couch immediately. Alright, nap time. <laughs> Pavlovian response back to Princess Beth. Yep, she's all she's all settled. <laughs> what a good dog! Wow, maybe you should just start. I like. I don't want to ruin anything, but maybe you should just start clapping as if you're about to record. When I had to um, put together the art demo video for the uh, the elementary school, mm-hmm. uh, I did do a clap at the beginning to get her to stop yelling at my <laughs> feet while I did that. Did not need to clap. Didn't need to sync anything up. Sure. Um, but, but it is it does work it it, it really does so yeah if i desperately need her to be quiet then i can do a, t- a double clap and get her <laughs> gone which i might have to try at night sometimes because there are frogs now oh boy and i don't know if they're in our yard or if they're in the creek that's across the street and through a wilderness and they're just that loud <laughs> um but they do start up a chorus every night. And, there were uh, those it, frogs at the neighbor's house that one time that were a concert, basically. Yeah, it might be them again, like back They're for back. their spring tour. Yeah. Um, but Freybug has to sing along for hours. <laughs> I love this under, song. <laughs> under my feet. Give me a give me a lighter. I want to wave it around slowly. Freebird. Uh, we're what the folklore. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Making sense of senseless tales. Wait, was that all show? We're in it. Yeah, why not? There are no rules here. Who's going to stop us? The FBI? Um, I don't think anybody's going to stop us so much as just start ignoring us. (laughs) Ostensibly, these people tune in to hear about animals doing things. Yeah. Yeah. One way or another. Whether fiction or reality. Occasionally to hear animals doing things actively, like the bird screaming behind me. <laughs> this bird doesn't want this story to be told. Uh-oh. Um, I don't know why. but Maybe we'll figure out why by the end. Yeah, we'll find out what birds don't like about this. <laughs> um, so we're What the Folklore, Making Sense of Senseless Tales, and I am your storyteller, Carmen. Crime Weaver Tyler. I'm Gordy. That's it? That's it. Back to vanilla. Uh, yep, that's it. No Just more, no more, no more dopamine from that bit. <laughs> it's all, all done. It's all tapped out. <laughs> all done. Time to find now. a new bit. Yeah, that's I, that's I've, the. It was boats for a while. Then it was funny names. <laughs> cycle, cycle of invention. Something yep. new. <laughs> I do appreciate your tendency to just like yoink bits out from under the listener's feet with zero warning. It keeps things uh, fresh. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, here's the thing, Carmen. They're not the listener's bits. They're Gordy's bits. They're my. They're my bits. And <laughs> he lets it, the listeners borrow them, certainly. And I feel like I explored that space <laughs> pretty um, thoroughly. <laughs> and now, and now I have nothing really more to contribute to it. Uh, maybe next time there'll be a new bit. Maybe not.
That's kind of the whimsy around here. Yeah, I don't know. We're nothing if not whimsical. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to tell the two of you a folk tale. Presumably, you have neither neither of you have heard before. Um, That's getting neither, harder and harder to do, I imagine. Neither heard nor want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it's that second part. The getting you tied down to the chair bit is getting harder. Um, there are still a lot of tales. I mean, the two of you have gotten pretty good at recognizing some story beats yeah. and predicting things from there, so that part's getting hard to subvert, but no, we still haven't scraped the bottom of the barrel of existing human stories that people have yammered at each other for some time now. If we ever get to the point where you can tell us the title of a story we've never heard before and we tell the story to you, do we end the show? I guess. I think so. I think that, <laughs> like if that is the only so way indoctrinated into folk and fairy tales that we can perfectly recreate one without having heard it and mm-hmm. yeah because at that point what folk even and is fairy the point? tales have crawled into your skin and are just wearing you like like a man suit Gross. so at that point we probably should stop the show for the health and safety of all involved <laughs> luckily we're not there yet we just every once in a while guess a story beat before it happens yeah, and then every once in a while you guess a story beat that makes perfect sense given all of your previous information. But... And then doesn't happen. <laughs> and then swerves. Alright, so we are revisiting the Brothers Grimm with a tale suggested by Kid the Switcheroo Chaos and Discord. So thank you, Ooh. Kid the Switcheroo. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm actually going to tell you two, kind of. Um, the first one's just like a little bonus tidbit uh, that, that Kid Switcheroo uh <laughs> gave to us in the the Storytown No Crimes channel. Uh, It's way too short to even be like a a little goofy side episode, but it is a riddling tale by the Brothers Grimm. Uh, This one is sourced from uh, pit.edu. I have a quick Brothers Grimm tidbit for the listeners before we begin. Some some news on the Grimm front? Uh, In a way. um, I already sent you the trailer, Carmen. But there's a there's a film on Netflix called The Secret Magic Control Secret Magic Control Agency. It is such mm. like an innocuous name that I have trouble maintaining it in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't continue to say it out loud, I will forget it. Okay. Um, and it is about Hansel and Gretel being basically SCP members. Ugh. Cool. Okay. Uh, it's a bad movie. It wasn't very entertaining. Baba Yaga is in it. Uh, it was made in Russia, but does not feature Boney, sadly. Russia? What are you doing? And then at the end of the movie, the control agency calls in two more agents who are the Brothers Grimm, and they're the, the cleanup crew who then write uh, a fictional version of what happened to recontextualize it so that it is just the story of Hansel and Gretel because the movie wanted to hit the audience with a jerk off motion right at the end. Oh, cool. cool. Nice. <laughs> love, love that. So go I watch do, that if you want. I do like the idea of the brothers Grimm having to clean up weird messes and then having to recontextualize them in fairy tales as sort of the men in black, um, red light. Yeah. That's a fun story. <laughs> Instead of just the fucking hand wave at the end of a movie. <laughs> yeah. Of course, they kind of did that with that Grimm TV series where a descendant of the Brothers Grimm was a cop who could see (laughs) 
the real nature of fairy tale creatures, which they handled very strangely in the show. Like when he saw the real, like the wolf um, person who just mm-hmm. looks like a normal person. Uh, anytime they showed their real face, it's like they just kind of shook their heads and then CG face happened for about 30 seconds and they shook their heads back to a normal human because that was all the budget could allow for. That is all I could maintain. Yeah. It was a very strange premise and I did not, like the wolf character was the only character on that show. Like the only per- person that seemed like a person <laughs> and everyone else was just sort of uh, puppeteered lines in human form um so it was not a very good show and the premise was strange and not everything needs to be a cop but i'm pretty sure i've complained about that a lot (laughs) all right so now this story what's it called a riddling tale oh it's called a riddling tale i thought that was a descriptor yeah this is our uh our amuse bouche before (laughs) this little aperitif um so Three women were transformed into flowers which stood in a field. But one of them was allowed to be in her own house at night. (laughs) One time when day was approaching and she would have to go back to her companions in the field and become a flower again, she said to her husband, If you will come this morning and pick me, I shall be set free and stay with you from then on. And that's what happened. Oh. Now, for the riddle part. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How did her husband recognize her? For the flowers were exactly alike and without any difference. Is this a riddle that we can solve, given the information that we have? Theoretically, yes. What if I didn't listen too closely <laughs> to the details? I have a guess. Yeah. Oh. He Wait, picked I all get... of them. I got it. The, the The first flower can see a black and white hat in front of them. <laughs> but the second one knows that, or doesn't. <laughs> And then can throw their hat up uh, and get it right. And there you go, Google. That's my, <laughs> that's my answer. Give me the job. Uh, my all guess right. is that he picked all of them. All right. So Tyler, is he picked all of them and Gordy is something to do with hats. And Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. that's, a, that's, a, that's a riddle that Google um, asks in interviews, apparently. <laughs> Well, the answer to this riddle is while the wife was in her house during the night and not in the field, the dew did not fall on her as it did on the other two. And so by this, her husband recognized her. Mm. That's actually kind of clever. Yeah. Which is the wet flower and which one isn't? That is, uh, yeah, that is a logical answer, which I did not expect. We can probably cut this, but the first thing that came to mind was a Ben Shapiro joke. (laughs) 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 So which ones were the wet? Oh, I recognize my dry wife. Yeah, I'd recognize her anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Dry as a wife should be. (laughs) The true answer of this riddle is that the husband would rent Shapiro and the flower was dry. (laughs) So there you go. Thank you, Brother Scrim. Thank you. All right, so now for the real tale suggested okay. by Kid, the Switcheroo Chaos. Um, so this one is sourced from worldoftales.com, and it is Snow White and Rose Red. Mm-hmm. So not the same Snow White that we uh, watched on Disney as young children, and probably not much since then, because it's not their best. <laughs> it's not terrible, but it's definitely not my favorite of the Disney originals. Um 
I'm not even sure that this is the only Snow White and Rose Red story, because I feel like I have read others that don't go this way. But we're reading this one from worldoftales.com. All right. You ready? Yeah. A poor widow lived in a little cottage that had a garden with two rose trees. One tree had white roses and the other tree had red roses. Uh, get out of the way here that these trees don't matter. Wit oh. <laughs> never mind. Oh, what were you, what were you going to say if they no, did? Um, no, never mind. Okay. They, they don't matter. Uh, she had two children who resembled the trees. Oh. Uh, one. So that, okay, that was going to be my question. <laughs> are, are the kids the trees? Or nah, are they, they just, related to the trees? They just look like them. They just vi- <laughs> visually happen, resemble the trees. Happen to look like. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> I am curious what that looks like in real life. <laughs> oh, this tree? It reminds me of my daughter. Visually. <laughs> you have a face like a pine tree. Uh, the children were named Snow White and Rose Red. They were religious and loving and busy and untiring and basically great wonderful kids. And the fairy tale definitions of great and wonderful kids. Yeah. Uh, Snow White was more gentle and quiet, and she stayed at home and helped her mom and read books aloud to people. Uh, Rose Red. <laughs> Did however, they want like that? To... No. <laughs> <laughs> that was her her way of mischief was to read a book when someone didn't want to hear it. Yeah, it's like, all right, here's Ready Player One. Sit and down. then he killed Dumbledore. <laughs> Uh, Rose Red liked to skip in fields and find flowers and catch summer birds. Somehow I doubt the birds enjoyed that. Yeah, that's. The, I'm starting to understand why that bird didn't want you to read this. Yeah. Uh, so they loved each other very much. They were always holding hands. Snow White would say things like, we'll never separate. And Rose Red would, Red would say things like, not while we live. And their mother would add, that which one has, let her always share with the other. Didn't you just tell us that they're usually actively in different places? I mean, yes. So it's more of a metaphorical never separate. Yeah, their souls are united. One mm. of the souls is in the field fucking with birds. And, <laughs> and the other one's reading books <laughs> no one wants to hear. Yeah, it's in the kitchen spoiling book endings. <laughs> and the so. other one's starting a podcast with their two friends. <laughs> Um, so they were constantly running together in the woods, collecting ripe berries, feeding random bunnies, and generally just being Disney princesses with the local <laughs> fauna. Wow. What a life. Yep. Uh, once they spent a night in the woods, I don't know, like, bunny sleepover? I don't know why. And when sunrise woke them, they saw a beautiful child in, in a snow-white robe who shone like diamonds sitting near them. She stood up when they opened their eyes, and she vanished into the woods. When the kids looked around, they saw that they had slept on the edge of a precipice and would have fallen over if they'd gone two more steps in the darkness. So they figure, oh, that's our guardian angel. <laughs> I want you to keep all of these things in mind. Sure. Trying. Like, write notes if you need to. Uh, the kids also kept their cottage super clean. Uh, Rose Red would tend the house in the summer and put a bouquet of roses by her mom's bed every morning before she woke. And in winter, Snow White would light the fire and polish the kettle. And at night, their mom would read to them while the girls were spinning. A vengeance story reading against Snow White. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I got the books now. It's like when you take over with a Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one evening, they were all cozied up and there was a knock at the door. And the mother told Rose Red to go open it because it was probably a traveler seeking shelter. But oops, it was not a traveler. It was, in fact, a bear. 
So Rose Red screamed. What's it selling? Bear Scout cookies. <laughs> nice. I'd buy some of those. I would too. Probably honey good. flavored. Honey and peanut butter. Uh, she screamed and the bear spoke and said, Hey, chill. No, I'm a bear. <laughs> Listen, I get that a lot. Uh, but I'm not here to hurt you. I'm just, I'm really cold. I just, I want to warm up a little by the fire. I like this bear. Hey, straight shooter. Chill bear. She's like, give me, give me some fire. We all good. Um, the mother was like, oh no, the poor bear. And she brought him inside and told her kids to chill their asses because um, <laughs> this bear is nice. Uh, the bear requested that they help him knock snow off his coat, so the kids brushed him clean with the broom. So the bear stretched himself out by the fire, and before long, all of them were good friends, and the children began to play with their unexpected visitor. Uh, they played by pulling his fur, or placing their feet on his back, or rolling him over and over, or using a <laughs> hazel twig on his coat, whatever that means. I just have images of kids poking a bear with a twig <laughs> in my head. And which one of these games did he like? Uh, none of them. <laughs> oh. But he was patient with them, and he would only occasionally call out when it went a little too far, Children, spare me an inch of life. <laughs> For the love of God. This is a phrase I'm just trying I mean. to get warm. Yeah, I'm going to keep this phrase in my back pocket for when I visit my spare niece. Spare me an inch of life. Yes. Just just an inch, please. Just some of it, please. Uh, so the bear stayed the night, and he went back to the woods in the morning, and after this he would show up every night. Until spring came, and uh, as it warmed up, the bear said, All right, I gotta go for the summer. I'm not gonna see you for a bit. Peace. And Snow White asked where he was going. He said he needed to go to the woods to protect his treasure from the bad dwarfs. <laughs> Your usual springtime bear activities. In the winter, the earth is too frozen, so the dwarfs are forced to stay underground. But now that the ground is thawed, they can take their grubby little hands wherever and klepto his shit straight back to their caves where it will never be seen again. So he's got to go it, keep dwarves. an eye on it. Yeah. Dwarves are real assholes. It's always a problem with them. <laughs> when he left, he got his fur caught in a hook in the lintel of the doorway and a scrap of fur was torn away. Uh, Snow White thought she saw something like gold shining through the, the rent left in his fur, but he was gone to the trees too quickly for her to see that clearly. So I guess like normal spring stuff happens for a little bit. One day the mom sends the kids out to go pick up sticks, which, I mean, that could be a useful task for fire, but it also could very much be a mom at the end of her rope with kids <laughs> whose idea of playing is tugging hair and like beating people with uh, their feet and sticks. And reading books that no one wants to hear. Yeah. And catching birds that no one wants to be to have caught. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that sounds to me like a get out of the house before I murder you sort of, uh, situation. Here's a fun task. They went out to pick up sticks and they found a big felled tree and something was skipping and springing near its roots. When they came nearer, they saw that it was a dwarf with a shriveled up face and a long snow white beard that was currently trapped in a gash in the tree trunk. He stared at the kids with red fiery eyes and he said, why are you standing there? Can't you help? <laughs> cool. So Rose Red asked what he was doing, and he says, Stupid inquisitive goose. I was trying to split a trunk for my kitchen sticks because big logs would burn our small quantities of food because we don't consume great heaps of food like you heavy greedy folk. <laughs> so while I was doing that, my tool sprang up from the cleft, and then it shut so quickly that it caught my handsome white beard, and I'm stuck here, and you're a stupid pale-faced creature, and are you <laughs> laughing at me? Yes. So the girls tried to release him, but his beard was wedged too tightly. Rose Red offered to go get some help, and the dwarf yelled, Idiot! 
who would go get more people? There are already too, too many people here. Can't you think of something better? Like, on one hand, this dwarf is an asshole, and on the other hand, my introvert self who's gone full feral in the face of COVID does understand. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I get it. Don't be so impatient, said Snow White, and thought about it for a moment, then cut off the end of his beard with her scissors that she carries around with her for whatever reason. Uh, once the dwarf was free, he grabbed a sack of gold that was hidden in the tree roots, and he grumbled, clumsy creatures, cut off a bit of my beautiful beard. I leave the cuckoos to pay you for what you did. And he swung his sack over his shoulder and went off without a second glance at them. Uh, not long after this encounter, the sisters went fishing for their dinner, and they found the dwarf springing around at the edge of the water again. And Rose Red was like, dude, what are you doing? Are you going to jump in the water? And he screeched back at her, I'm not such a simpleton as that! Don't you see that a wretch of a fish is pulling me in? So it turns out this dude had been fishing when the wind entangled his beard in the line, and a fish bigger than he could handle had taken the bait, and so it was pulling on the line and dragging him in by the beard. And it has been doing this the whole time? For a bit, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how long ago before they showed up at the fishing grounds that he had this encounter. Um... He should probably brush his beard, though. Yeah, probably. Seems like a problem. Uh, so the girls tried to untwist his beard from the fishing line, but it was too entangled, so they again had to cut off a little bit of it. Uh, he was, of course, pissed about this, too. He grabbed a sack of pearls and stormed off behind a large stone. If there's anything we've learned about dwarfs on the shows, they like to just go be behind things. <laughs> <laughs> Stones, lettuces, you know, just, whatever. They just they feel, feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah comfortable back there that's okay soon after this the widow sent her children into town to grab some cotton needles ribbon and tape and on the way to town they passed an area that had a large uh, collection like a lot of rocks just around uh, and their attention was attract attracted to a big bird hovering in the air they watched it pounce and then they saw that this bird which was an eagle pick up the dwarf <laughs> for a good tasty snack this dwarf is having some real problems with the animal kingdom I mean He's not that friendly, so probably got on a few bad sides. By, uh, the, like, from all animals. Yeah, all animals, including the tree ones. <laughs> so the kids grabbed a hold of the little man, and they got him away from the eagle. And he was still pissed at them because they weren't gentle enough with him, and they had damaged his coat in this process. This is where the introvert in me stops connecting with him. <laughs> <laughs> Just let him get eaten by the eagle at that point. Um, then he picked up a sack of jewels and slipped out of sight, probably behind another rock. The kids were used to the ship by now, so they just go and make their purchases, and then they <laughs> begin the walk home. But on the way back, they run across the dwarf, who had upturned his sack of jewels to admire them in the setting sunlight. Uh, and the children paused to admire the jewels also, because they were catching the light in a very pretty way, and it's just a picturesque image. The dwarf saw them and became red with rage. and said, what are you looking at with your ugly mugs? <laughs> But suddenly, a great growl came up, and a big black bear joined the party. The dwarf jumped in terror, but he couldn't get to his hiding place, so he offered in anguish, Mr. Bear, forgive me, here is all my treasure for my life. <laughs> also, I'm really small, like, I, I'm, I'm hardly worth eating. I'll just get stuck in your teeth. You see those two kids over there? They would be a way better meal. You should go eat them instead. Love to see creatures with dignity. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the bear was unmoved, and he he smacked <laughs> yeah. the dwarf with his paw, laying him dead on the ground. Oh. So all all previous attempts to save this dwarf from things 
moot Rendered moot. (laughs) (laughs) The maidens were by this point running away um, from Murder Bear when they heard a familiar voice calling out to them. So they, they turned around and the bear came toward them and then his bear skin slipped off and he was a handsome man, garmented in gold. I like I him a, less suddenly. You like him less? Yeah. I liked him you, more when he was just a cool bear. Yeah, it's the Beauty and the Beast syndrome. The beast yeah, I just, just, I just turned it off at that point. <laughs> yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't Spinny, need to see that. magic, whatever. <laughs> I don't need to see that weird animated man's face. Yeah. <laughs> Or how his voice changes. Suddenly. Yeah. No thanks. I mean, I get you don't have like a, a monstrous voice box anymore, so probably you won't <laughs> sound gruff and gravelly and, you know, kudos for the attention to detail or whatever. This isn't who I was uh, enamored of throughout the entire film, so I do not care. <laughs> I do appreciate the subtle, uh, I guess you'll do expression from <laughs> Beldo yeah. in that moment. I don't. I'm not sure about this, but okay. Let's into this. So, um, yeah, the former bear says, "I am a king's son, and I was enchanted by that wicked dwarf who stole my treasure and compelled me to roam in the woods, transformed into a big bear until he died." Which seems like a a bad curse stipulation to put on <laughs> someone that you've turned into a bear <laughs> when you are, in fact, a small dwarf who is not very good at surviving. It doesn't seem. So, don't feel bad about the murder I did. Like, that guy was a real asshole. We don't have to, None of us have to worry about the moral implications of this man killing a dwarf dead. Uh, so sometime afterwards, Snow White just marries this guy. We don't need to see courtship or anything else. We just, like... You get she it. She just does it. Yeah. Uh, Rose Red marries his brother that he has. I'm sure he's fine. Uh, the two couples split the treasure that the dwarf had collected in this cave... And their old mother spent many happy years with her children. The end. I think the birds were overreacting about this story. <laughs> you think so? It it sure feels like it. Yeah, I mean, they did quiet down. This <laughs> After they heard that they weren't being tormented anymore? Yeah. yeah. It seems like they heard the beginning and they were like, all right, that's enough. I don't want to hear any more of this story. <laughs> Catching Fucking summer birds. This. What's this rated? <laughs> Other impressions? <laughs> um, I mean, I Can think. They all just get it together a little bit. How do you mean? Just, I don't know, just pull themselves together. <laughs> Who? All of them. I don't want to. I don't want to discriminate between factions here. I, just I want don't. Them all. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm kind of with Gordy, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's vague. But I don't know how I feel about the events necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to. Like, am I to... glad that the dwarf is gone? I. I maybe, but. I don't know. Can yeah? Can they all just try a little harder <laughs> and like be accountable to themselves and each other? <laughs> um, maybe. I would sure like it. Who does the other one marry? Rose Red. She marries yeah. the the brother of the Bear Prince. Oh, I entirely missed that. 
Yeah. <laughs> a brother exists in a, a part of a sentence to be married off to her. Uh, I think my biggest problem with this story is the complete disregard of the rules of planting and payoff. <laughs> yeah, that too. That is fair. Because um, there's that's a kind lot of, of... That's probably why it feels so disjointed right now. Yeah, like there was a lot of stuff planted in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And absolutely none of it paid off. Yeah. And the stuff that happened at the end was not planted. And so, just happened. Yeah. So, like, in the beginning, we had... When we had these rose trees, right? But they don't matter. There's mm-hmm. no there's no real connection to them. It's not like they... they no, they just visually resemble the daughters, quote-unquote, somehow. <laughs> yeah, it was like the, the storyteller couldn't figure out how to introduce people. <laughs> and they're like, well, we gotta... Maybe it will help if we just give them something sort of neutral to connect to, like uh, rose bushes. I don't want to tell anybody their business, but if you are a writer and you find or a storyteller and you find yourself saying out loud, "I don't know how to introduce people," maybe that's not the profession for you. <laughs> maybe plumbing. Plumbing, plumbing is absolutely fine. Yeah, it's a lucrative profession. It's actually probably more stable than most, and a lot more stable than writing. So, <laughs> Everybody's yeah. got turlets and pipes and stuff. If you find yourself saying that you don't know how to introduce people, and your answer that you come up with is to say they look like trees, especially <laughs> plumbing. <laughs> yeah. Please please do not get into writing or horticulture straight <laughs> plumbing. <laughs> yeah, so the, the trees don't matter. The two personality types don't matter. Yeah, they didn't really set them apart as much as I thought they were gonna. <laughs> like, there was a, a moment of good characterization with Snow White. Uh, like, as far as we get in a fairy tale, so not yeah. by the standards of most writing is it good characterization. Just the <laughs> fact that there is any uh, is astounding. Whatsoever. Uh, when she told the dwarf to, like when snow white was the one to tell the dwarf to not be impatient at rose red was the one that was like i'll go get someone it's like oh that's like that's subtle but it's it's mm-hmm. in keeping with what you've established and it's maybe the only thing in the story that's in keeping with what you established in the beginning so it does right. stand out to me even like though it's they, an innocuous moment they are initially set up as diametrically opposed though still love one another and appreciate each other's company uh and then they immediately become faceless it yeah. might as well be the same person. It might as well just be one person. It, yeah, it really might as well. Like, <laughs> they had to invent a new person in, in part of a sentence to handle the <laughs> other one. To wrap up the other one's character arc. Yeah, like the, the Snow White definitely sort of took center stage here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that becomes related to the other Snow White tale that Disney did base itself off of. Because clearly not this one. <laughs> Um, but the other thing that was like kind of hammered in was that, that connection the two of them had to each other. Right. It was made special mention of. Yeah. Which usually like, means something. If you're going to load up a gun <laughs> with, we'll never separate for as long as we live. And that which one has, let her always share with the other. You should I'm probably expecting... separate them. Yeah, I'm expecting Pro- that gun to fire off. Probably. With, uh... <laughs> it should pay off somehow. 
Yeah, like one of them should get something that cannot be shared. It's Chekhov's very securely locked gun cabinet, but it is transparent. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of why I assumed that the other one didn't get married. Right. Because <laughs> that would separate them <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Nah, but we, we just invented another brother who wasn't a baron. It's fine. What was he doing while his brother was a bear? Did he care that his brother was a bear? Is that where Disney got Brother Bear from? Maybe. Oh. Uh, the other like big sore thumb sticking out of here is this like diamond shining child who prevents them from falling <laughs> over a precipice and then never shows up again. Yep, I did forget that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like that's that seems like a pretty big deal. They have some kind of guardian angel preventing <laughs> them from dying in the night. That's set up for the sequel. What makes them so important that it's that like celestial beings are making sure they don't fall over had, a cliff? They had to make sure that they married a bear and his brother. Because it's not like they did anything to rescue the bear. <laughs> if if anything, they delayed <laughs> his rescue. If, if anything, <laughs> their moms rescued him from the cult. Their mom rescued him from the cold, and then they delayed his deberification by <laughs> continually saving this dwarf from untimely death caused by his own behaviors. And then the bear saved his own damn self. <laughs> so, like, they didn't change the course of the world. They bought some ribbons. Uh, so you remember how I threatened to end the show if we could ever tell you the story before you told it to us? Yeah. There was absolutely no threat of that happening in this episode. <laughs> because I am I am certain that now at the end of it, I could not retell the story that I just listened to. Yeah, this this one feels pretty safe <laughs> from that eventuality. Yep, listeners, you got us you got us for at least another week, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I feel like the beginning of the story set up a lot of interesting stuff. Um that I would love to see paid off. So it was not, yeah, interesting stuff that was not necessarily forthcoming. Uh, so I, I would like to propose some changes to this tale. We haven't, yeah. we haven't fully fixed up a tale in a minute. Uh, do either of you have have something that you want to change before I dive in? No, you take the the reins on this one, and maybe I'll add flavor. As we go. And delicious sprinklings of seasoning. Mm -hmm. Um, Alright, so we have have the established uh, connection between the two of them, and we have what would in any other story be an ominous thing uh, where they say, we're not going to be separated while we live. And then the whole sharing thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with a bear showing up. He's a pretty chill bear. The bear can stay. The bear can stay. But, like, we need these girls to take a little bit more agency in this. And so maybe, like, instead of holding the reveal of bear as prince for after the problem has been solved, uh, we end up... Pulling a little bit of the Cupid and Psyche situation in here. Um, and I just heard Donois, who I have locked in a closet, go, ooh. <laughs> but like, She's I, I taught feel like you they well. Sh- yes. I feel like the, the two girls should see that he's a handsome prince. Um, and I, I feel like this maybe starts causing the wedge between them. 
Because what we're missing here is an actual problem. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like there's not really a conflict in this story other than there's a dwarf who's an asshole and he's in trouble a lot, but really it doesn't matter. Um, Because we don't care about him and he dies anyway. So we need conflict for our main characters. And I think having some kind of wedge starting to separate them as they grow older um, with this bear. And this one thing that they cannot share. Because uh, I guess they're not polyamorous. And I don't know that even if you are polyamorous <laughs> that you would want to be polyamorous with like a sibling. A sibling. <laughs> that feels Perhaps problematic. Not. That feels not, yeah. I don't know how many civilizations have allowed that over the course of history, but um, it feels not great. Alright, so we start to get the jealousy in uh, with this bear prince, and the two of them are, are more or less competing for ways to help solve his curse problem. Uh, I don't know if we need Asshole Dwarf or not. He does bring kind of a fun energy, so maybe. <laughs> um, um, I, I like him as a as a bit player. I mean, he could still be the cause of the curse or whatever. Um, yeah. I feel like the two different personalities should maybe uh, factor in to how they both go about trying to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think that in the end they have to work together to save him and they realize he's not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and like <laughs> romance with a handsome bear man prince. It's not worth uh, losing their their lifelong bond over. But I feel like that has to be a journey where they are definitely willing to throw each other to the wolves for a little bit to get some hot, sweet bear prince action. So that's my rough outline for, for how to like make the planting and payoff. Although we still need to freaking deal with that diamond angel kid. Which might just be cut the diamond angel kid. I think we cut the diamond angel kid. Yeah, otherwise that's yeah. Otherwise, that's a different story because we need to know why they, in particular, have a guardian angel. I don't even know why mm. they stayed in the woods at night. Like nothing <laughs> about that needed to happen in their lives or the story. Mm-hmm. You have a house. Go there. <laughs> if guardian angel shows up, uh, needs to happen at least three times and maybe be there as sort of a fairy godmother mentor figure dispensing advice. Or maybe a dark mentor dispensing bad advice. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's my fix. I think that's all have, pretty solid. Have flavor or other things that you would like to add to that? Just add some kissing at the end. <laughs> Remove the romance, add kissing. <laughs> yeah, not romantic kissing, just mm-hmm. vengeful. Just <laughs> Ooh, a vengeance kiss. It's the best kind. That's how you get butts and seats. Do they vengefully kiss the dwarf? Yes. Like, maybe the bear prince is not that good a person, ultimately. So they kiss a dwarf in front of him? Maybe, like, maybe he's not a bad person. Like, he's really patient and very passive. And he's just sort of letting the two of them do all the work. The dwarf? And that's No, the bear. Oh. Because, like, the bear was was gentle and kind in this whole thing. But, um... But he was pretty damn passive for until he murdered a dwarf. 
Um, so maybe like he lets them sort of handle his shit for him, and he he kind of gets gets it going to his head that there's uh this competition over him, and the two of them realize, oh, this man's like making us fix things for him, fix his life for him. Yeah, and so they kiss the dwarf, <laughs> and so eventually they kiss the dwarf. <laughs> Look, Gordy introduced Vengeance Kiss. We gotta weave that in somehow. <laughs> this is the most vengeful kiss I can think of. And it's Vengeance against the dwarf, too, who wants nothing to do with anyone. <laughs> this is double vengeance, and then the two of them hold hands and go back to their, their home and tend their roses. The end. We fixed it, yay! <laughs> Perfect story, no holes. Yeah, clean... Clean and efficient. Clean, efficient, and definitely needs to exist. Uh, so thank you, Kid Chaos, the switcheroo, for uh, for suggesting both of these stories to us. A solid riddle and a solid uh, mess to be fixed <laughs> following it. So thank you. Uh, thank you all for listening to this tale. If you have your own flavor seasoning or um, solutions to problems like diamond glowing angel friend uh do share those with us on twitter or in our discord if you would like to join our discord it's only a dollar a month to come talk to us join cults um <clears throat> look at that's pictures it. of various people's cats yeah that's all you gotta do yeah yeah that's like it. it's the it is one of the cheapest easiest cult ticket entries that you could possibly have we're not gonna ask you to leave your family <laughs> Yeah, just pay a dollar. In fact, and... we ask the opposite. We don't want yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. We're we're feral creatures we, now. We don't have room. <laughs> this is the internet. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons for supporting the show. And thank you to our top tier patrons. Uh, Hyrius, Pink Nectary, Ubaloo, in honor of my father sending me a ficus for Valentine's Day. Becca, once more rising from the swamp. Kelly, Big Sister Trapped in Eternal Jam Making, Katarina, Funky Little Strawberry, Lemur, Spaghetto Drinking Deep at the Trial of Gender Fluids, Caitlin, Danielle, Wyatt, Insert a DBZ Reference Here, Olwen, Queen of Terrible Taste, Allie, Detroit Became Crab, Cobus Cat, Versus Keeper of Too Many OCs, Pyrus, Kelty, Nathan the Scot, Alex, Banjo Bug, you and I are on the same wavelength. Maya, Grey, Goetic Prince of the Arcane, High Listus of Wimbus, Yahweh Yahweh, Little Smorgasbord, Haley, Dominic, Justin, Willow Winterroot, uh, WTF Lore, Ladybug, Izzy, Heather High Meow Lady of the Cult of Cricket, and Jenna. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you didn't actually uh, put in a Dragon Ball Z reference. I, I didn't, no. I know you got them. Mm. What do you want to put in there? I'm Piccolo Rick. <laughs> Good enough. There you go. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. We're what the folklore, and that's how it works. Tra-la-da-da-ha-do-ho Tra-la-da-da-ha-do-ho 
This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have story suggestions for us, please send them to wtfolklore at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.